You're listening to the Cinema Snarks Podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Ren. And today we're going to tell you how we really feel about film and television of 2021. Yes, you clicked on. You saw that we're discussing the best and worst that the year had to offer. Which but we're going to because we haven't done anything for months, so we could just cover a whole bunch of things. You know. <laughs> And we'll be giving away little cinema snark superlatives along the way. And for the first time on this channel, we'll also be talking about our favorite and least favorite in the realm of television as well. We're, we're discussing all of the screens. All the things. Today. And oh, yes, yeah. uh, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. The Halloween <laughs> through like Christmas is Ren specifically's busy time of the year. Yes, that's when my theater company makes all their money. <laughs> So she was busy running a theater company, putting on productions, and I was just doing a lot on my damn channel that was a lot. So I'm sorry. And we're back. We're back, though. We <laughs> are back. you we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and actually said, what a better way to come back than to just talk about all of the things uh, of 2021. So basically, we're going to give our five favorite films of the year each and then discuss our favorite TV series and just give away awards on films we loved, were disappointed by, didn't like, that weren't quite good or bad enough to make either of those other lists. So are you hyped, Ren? I'm so hyped. Also, yes, Ren finally up got up a new letterbox so yeah their cinema snarks go yeah. follow uh <laughs> yeah one day i'll sit there when i have a lot of time and just write reviews for everything yeah. no, i just really went through and clicked everything that i saw in 2021 but if you want so like to start this whole thing off let's be clear you can look at mine and that'll give you the bare minimum of the movies that both of us have watched because if i've seen it then both of us have seen it because Larry has seen all of the movies. There's a few that sneak through. If it goes to streaming, that's where Ren may have seen it. And I just there is one. There is one which is in my best of list. So every it. now and again, that happens where things come to streaming and I pretend they don't exist. Um, so I'm a little bit I'm a little bit of a and cinema snob. Yeah, but I have to say, Larry, you have to watch this movie. <laughs> I need to talk um, about it and I want you to watch it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so follow, follow along there. I write reviews, the short reviews, but to be honest, Letterboxd, I use to log things so I can mm -hmm. do lists like this and then to promote my reviews on my channel. <laughs> Uh, and if I don't feel like reviewing it on the channel, I'll write like a, a little bit of a more decent review over on Letterboxd. It's, it's a fun time. It's, it's a good time. But yay, our social medias are going to kick back up now too. So follow us there. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're, we're back. 2022, the world is falling apart still. People still. have been dying left, right, and center to start this year. 2022 has been literally the year of death. Like mm -hmm. we just got Louis Anderson today. Oh, uh, I didn't even hear about that today. one. Um, oh, that's literally. why everybody was talking about Meatloaf today. All Rocky of a Horror. Meatloaf, I didn't quite post as much about because he was an anti vaxxer and died mm -hmm. of COVID. I'll be honest, um, I thought he was dead already. Red! <laughs> I thought he died like a while ago. Yeah. Go watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's easily the best Classic. thing Meatloaf did uh, to me. His I also, I would do anything for love is a ridiculous piece of both 
cinema uh, in the music videos absurdity and the song itself is, yeah. is baffling in its baffling-ness. And we all loved Louis Anderson um, for his various... I love that animated Louis show. Yeah, about his own childhood. Kind of working through that. He's great. I don't think anybody disliked Louis Anderson. He was just a wonderful, lovable guy. But then, of course, the most important and dis... I don't Okay, so the most important death of 2021, the queen, Betty White. But, like, at the same time, I do... One of my favorite things I saw about this was, like, you know, that lady had amazing comedic timing. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> you all thought I was going to be 100? Love all those those magazine covers about how I'm turning 100 years old and out. It was, uh, I, I really liked a lot of way people framed it. They were like, somebody who knows how, like who else could live for 99 years and then just leave you wanting for more like yes. she left right at the perfect time where we were all like begging for just a couple more weeks at the least betty and she's like <laughs> peace out y'all i'm yes. out of here that oscar in memoriam just got like <laughs> way longer <laughs> yeah they'll just fill it up they don't have hosts or anything anymore well so. let's well they're bringing a host back this year they're already petitioning for people uh thank god pete davidson said he will not do it Whew. <laughs> bless bless i'm sorry y'all i can't they better do a better job than they did last year though i'm that in memoriam for the oscars 2021 was a disgrace like they sped through those people like so fast that you couldn't even read the name before they were moved it was like what the hell what's the point of this and of course even the one they highlighted which was chas chadwick boseman and he got like a moment the, but that's like the usual time everybody else gets. So it was just, I thought it was shameful. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cut out all this other bullshit. And at least. But like, was it statistically a lot more? What I mean, like statistically a lot more Americans just overall died. But even the song choice well, they did, people. it was a faster song. So the huh. beat and they were going with like the beat of the song, which was. was what to blame fast. in that situation? Like whose idea? Like somebody was like go faster was it the editor that was like nah this is yeah. just too slow i, mean, I gotta go whoever produced up. the oscars last year effed it up all around like <laughs> they switched to try to like do a gotcha so that chadwick wins and everybody's happy at the end of the night and so they put best picture before best actress and best actor and it was a disaster <laughs> They did best director was like the third award announced on the evening. It was, I mean, it was a hot mess, but anyway, Anyways. that's part of our review. Worst uh, produced television series of 2021. Reality show. The Oscars. <laughs> it was the Do Oscars. better this year, please, because that was a disaster. Um, one night special event. <laughs> yeah, worst one night special. Uh, I don't know. The Golden Globes is there, but thank God they didn't get televised this God. year. Boop. All right, uh, let's get going because we got yes. plenty of shit talking to do. All right, so we're going to kick off with our best now. We've we've depressed you enough with the horrible ways of the world, but we'll yeah. we'll start off with our five best films of 2021. Ren? Okay, so the first one I think might potentially be on your list as well. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Um, Mitchells versus the Machines. Is that on your list? Yes. Yes! Is. I knew it. It's so good, y'all. <laughs> I think this might be the only one that's on both of our lists. Oh, my. Um, okay. And I feel like it's also uh, an underseen and underrated movie. Um, I think it just wasn't 
animated films are often not very well advertised. Yeah. Um, but this movie is so good. It's so funny and it's so sweet um, without being saccharine, right? The fact that Larry likes it just as much as I do lets you know that it's not like cheesy sweet. Yeah. Um, and I just like thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience. I, you know, it's one of those movies that as soon as I was done, I was like, I really liked that. That was fun. Yeah. The animation was beautiful. Oh. Um, and they it was again because it comes from Sony Animation, who yes, they do the Hotel Transylvania films, which are not as well animated, but they also did Into the Spider Verse. And so, what I like about them as a studio is they seem to be really willing to push the envelope. Because when you look at obviously Into the Spider Verse, and then you get even to Mitchell's versus the Machines, they really mix styles. Like they throw a lot in there, but in a way that feels authentic to the film that's being created. Because we have live action stuff pop up, puppetry pop up in this movie. And of course we go in and out of like even 2D style to the normal 3D. They, they do a lot. And I, I really commend them for letting the artists just kind of go ham with their vision. And it comes out this great, then yes, let them make their vision if this is what it's going to lead to. Mm-hmm. But I loved Mitchell's Versus the Machines because going in, I expected something funny and it was, I think it was probably yeah. my favorite comedy of the year. Yeah. It was the thing I laughed the most at. Like that dog joke was amazing. And it never got old. <laughs> never. That pug never got old. <laughs> the whole film. The baffling dog. <laughs> it just was so good. But then so the cute. Furby moment was amazing. Yes. I loved the Furby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you don't expect it to be this really like you said heartfelt family film Mm -hmm. like between obviously her and her dad but really her connection with all of her family was really well handled and sweet yeah but it was it was great and also like what weirdo can't appreciate that sort of a plot line right like you know I I think um I think the population of people who are really into movies tends to skew weirdo um and I say that being an absolute weirdo myself. And so I think, you know, Mitchell versus the Machines knew its audience and, um, you know, I'm like, let's not lie. Like we, we know it's a thing, but we can't help but be a little bit uh, victim to it. Loving those films that are for filmmakers, those like little bit of love letters to films. And so if you haven't seen Mitchell versus the Machines, like that's her whole thing is that she wants to go to film school. She makes all these really cute movies and films and they all go up on YouTube. I don't know if I don't think I call it on YouTube in the movie, but but it's something you can relate to, right? Even if you're not like a a film person, if you're a creator of any sort Mm -hmm. that it really helps you kind of relate to it. Um, which will bring me to my second uh, in the top fives. These are not ranked in like number one to number five, except I will probably say Mitch's versus Sheen was actually my like favorite favorite. But oh, hey. on the same note, Tick Tick Boom is on my list for similar reasons. I am a, uh, first of all, theater nerd. <laughs> second of all, I am a 34 year old theater nerd. Um, so I just loved it. I, I don't think it was necessarily like the greatest film of 2021, but it spoke to me on levels that instantly made me love it and like feel things. And I'm all about a movie that makes me feel things. I loved Andrew Garfield. I think he is adorable. And I'm really happy that after his, 
his career took that hard a grenade from uh, the Spider-Man franchise getting canceled two movies in that he's out there and he's doing really fun things. He's in two movies, at least on my list of um, movies, not top fives, but like for today. So I, I really liked Andrew Garfield in it as well. Um, I liked the music a lot. The music is about the same. It's the same person um, who made all the music for Rent. Um, so the music is about the same. The music from Rent is better. Obviously, it's there's a reason it was like the really popular one. Um, had you ever but- seen Tick, Tick, Boom? I had never seen it. No, I had like, you know, it, I knew I knew of it. I knew that it was already a stage performance. Yeah. Um, but I also got especially excited about it when I heard that Lin-Manuel Miranda was directing it. I was like, oh, my God, there's literally not a human alive who would understand this character yeah. and be able to put this together in the same way that Lin-Manuel Miranda did. Um, it was a good debut for direction yeah. as well. Yeah, I thought I, it was a, really well directed for a first time. He did. And I read, you know, I, that's what I tend to do if I watch a movie that I really, really enjoy. I read and he he actually put a lot of time and effort and work into restructuring the original musical into the film that it is like he really wanted to make sure that it it had the best parts and um, conveyed this man's life in the best way possible and sort of like you know, tied in those little bits of what becomes rent. Some people didn't like that. It was like, there was, it was, there's these like bookends of like, you know, he wrote rent and then died right before it. And it's horribly tragic, but the movie's not so much about that actually. Um, It's really about, it's actually, this is, I think partially why Patrick didn't like it so much is that he was expecting it to be the story of how rent came. And so he was expecting that structure of like, and then I wrote rent and it was incredible. And it was the biggest success ever. And, instead it was like and you wrote something that just isn't producible and like it was good but it's just like not that good it's not like right and like that's something you can so relate to as as an artist that like you can do lots and lots of good work and I think one of the lines that really stuck with me was that you know you have to keep being a writer do it again write another one that's what being a writer is yeah that phone call with that the agent woman who i uh, loved was also incredible but yeah so tick tick boom just and i love boom. alexandra ship i just love her always so yes I i'm loved- glad she got a good role yeah and i also liked that vanessa hudgens had a, a she got to show off her voice and i didn't have to watch her act Ooh. that was <laughs> Listen, Ooh. Vanessa Hudgen is just fine in those Christmas um, <laughs> easy romantic comedy movies. Um, but I do not need to see her. I'm, I'm glad she's she's rebounded. She apologized for her horrible COVID remarks at the beginning of the oh, pandemic. No. Um, Judith Light is her name. Judith, the, um, the incredible. Um, yeah, she's great. And I'm just glad. Oh, and Robin de Jesus was wonderful in the film. Yes. He's actually. Oh, yes. And they that he was added for the film. Yeah, I thought, honestly, Andrew Garfield, I think, is virtually a lock in Tick, Tick, Boom to get an Oscar nomination for Best Actor right now. Mm-hmm. But I do really hope if he doesn't get a nomination, I hope he's at least still in the discussion for Best Supporting because I thought he was great. I, I thought. I, yeah, I, I agree. I thought he was great, too. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is a little film I saw at Sundance, Virtual Sundance last year, which is going on right now, virtually again. And then I rewatched it actually recently with my grandma to show it to her. And that is Mass, a film about the two sets of parents who come together to discuss 
uh, a mass shooting. So the parents of the shooter at the school shooting and the parents of one of the victims at the school shooting. And so they basically have a, <laughs> a mediation session together to kind of just get through that trauma and all of that. It delivered four of the best acting performances of 2021. Uh, Jason Isaacs is amazing in this film. And Dowd is amazing. Martha Plimpton is also amazing. And I think it's just a really obviously impactful film because we're still living this uh, because our government doesn't do anything. So we <laughs> continue to be put into scenarios. And I enjoyed getting to see the parents of the shooter uh, empathized with in this type of way of having to grieve, but not being able to grieve and having that conflicted idea of I lost my son, but my son was also a murderer. And what does that do to you? <laughs> and you trying to process that and you not really feeling comfortable talking about that because of what your son did, especially to parents who of a kid that your son killed and them having to confront that and understand you as people. It was just, it was really impactful. It's a, one of those films that yes, you pretty much stay the full runtime in one single room, but it continually just kind of like grips you in further as you move on. You don't like kind of wane off and get bored. Uh, you're pretty right. much riveted the whole time. This is why I know you're secretly a theater lover because that's, <laughs> a, that's like, I'm like, oh, it all takes place in one room. It's a very theatery thing to do, right? Like, yeah, of course, at the beginning, at the end, you kind of come in to the building. With people, I mean, it's also, but, yeah. it's also a theatery thing with like the best actors you can possibly find getting a yes. chance to try it a bunch of times and do the yeah. best version of it. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's getting a I little bit. I just added uh, it to my letterbox media list. Yeah. Yes, definitely. If give anybody it a at Letterbox wants to give us a sponsorship, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any yeah. money, mm -hmm. <laughs> or or that many subscribers yet. But we'll get go. them. We'll get there. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll work our way. We'll be consistent and find a way there. We promise. So definitely check out Mass Ren um, when my you list can. Now. It's not obviously just from the subject matter and what I just described. It's not like a cute little throw <laughs> on type of one? watch. No, <laughs> it's not. You got to be ready. Go in like, prepared. I'm pretty sure all mine are pretty happy movies, but that's just who I am. <laughs> that's not true. There's sad parts in lots of the movies. Yeah, like anyway. Tick Boom has some sadness. Yes. But. Yeah, there's some tragedy in there. I like anything that makes me feel so. All right, Ren. So what's next up on your list? I guess to kind of like stick with this idea of like happy things that I liked, that I like because they appeal to to me, uh, mixtape. I don't know if you watched it on Netflix at all. I don't even now, know what that is. I've never even heard of that. To be fair, a lot of my picks seem to be skewed towards the things that went to streaming because it's a pandemic. <laughs> Still. So I didn't go out to the movie theater as much as uh, some people might have. Mixtape. Mixtape is a movie on Netflix. Um, I highly recommend it if you are in my age demographic. The Millennials, <laughs> um, if you are in my age demographic and you remember the time of CDs and like the just before Napster sort of time period. Um, so essentially this movie follows a girl who um, is living in this time period just before Napster. Her parents were punks like in the you know, 70s and 80s and they wrote music and uh, her parents died in a car crash when she was a baby, so she doesn't know anything about them. Um, but she finds this mixtape that um, the her dad made for her mom. And so she kind of spends the movie 
looking for these songs. And uh, because of this new invention, Napster, she has a little bit more uh, luck finding things. And she goes to like a record store and she finds some stuff there. But it's basically like a coming age of age story about um, a girl uh, in that time period that's I was roughly the same age and I totally understand this um, way that music started, starts to form your sense of self and, and who you are and how you start to make friends and get to know people. Um, again, very sweet. If you are a millennial, I think you will actually like this movie, especially if you're um, a, a female millennial, a woman millennial. Maybe dude millennials will like it too. Uh, you know what? If you're a millennial, you should watch it gender bullshit (laughs) don't i need men to stop not watching movies because girls are the main protagonists there you go that i just dropped a full-on f-bomb about it yeah all millennials should watch it because it's very cute and very sweet and um the grandmother is played um by the mom from modern family um which is a little jarring at first and then you're like "Ah, actually that's probably kind of like feasible i guess especially because her daughter supposedly got pregnant when she was a little younger Okay. Anyways, um, it was a really cute, sweet movie, and um, I, I highly recommend it. Also, I'm an old person that still buys CDs, so <laughs> yes. Um, you know what, Larry? That's a good call because physical media cannot suddenly be taken from you in the way that anything you buy on Apple Plus can. I have to tell you, you have for sure seen the three films that are left on my list. So good. there's only one that you haven't seen. I don't. I know for sure you don't love one of them like I do. The other ones, I know you liked. I, I don't know that they'll be on your list, but we'll kick this off with one I know you watched, uh, and that is Dune oh. from Denis Villeneuve. I just loved it. I have to admit, if you make a beautiful film, you, you've already got me in the right step. Yeah. If there's just beautiful filmmaking on display, <laughs> I've already moved into giving you toward a positive review. However, I just thought the film did a great job at humanizing these characters more than even the source material did. Um, <laughs> the actors all did a great job with the roles that they were given. Literally every single technical aspect of filmmaking is perfection in Dune. The cinematography is stunning. The visual effects are top tier. The uh, direction is amazing. The score, Hans Zimmer back in his element and delivered (laughs) a score for this. Yeah, I I know a lot of people don't like that it is only half of a story. (laughs) And that detracts for quite a few people, but... I'm ready. Once part two comes out, I'm ready for the full on five yeah. to six hour film experience. I am. I'm ready to just jump straight from one to the next. So I, I, I will you. say on the same on that note, like I was one of the people who said like, I didn't like it. it was only half the movie. But at the same time, I OK, I think my my objection was that it was half the movie. And it was still like a lot longer than it needed to be. Um, there's a bit too many of those. Like, let me look at Zendaya for another like full two minutes like okay okay come down um anyways though uh, but i will say i would rather have that as a movie format like with the eternals that was one of those things where i was like nah that should just break that up and let me watch it on tv but dune is so sweeping and epic and beautiful a film like i want to see that shit on the movie screen like yeah. i give, give it to me that's fine i guess if that's what you have to do like that's that feels like the tiniest complaint and i complain about every movie being too long um so 
Um, but I will say I actually have a superlative for that um, oh, okay, uh, on my list. It was the uh, better than expected. And it's not that I expected Dune to be bad. It was just way better than I expected it to be. Like, I think I had really tempered all of my expectations because you have these ideas about, you know, something important in the in the nerd, the culture um, yeah. like Dune. And the expectations are so high for it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was probably going to be good. It looked pretty cool, but I also thought it could be like really boring, right? Yeah. Like the the first one that came out was like <laughs> weird and kind of boring, but also just mostly was just weird and people didn't like it. Um, but yeah, including I, I, David Lynch himself. Yeah, I I I think it was that I you know it wasn't that it was like I thought it was going to be bad and then it ended up being good. It was that I thought it was going to be okay and it ended up being incredible. Yeah. So that that was why I gave it that surprise. But great. So on the same note of a movie that was just beautiful, I actually, it was like a tie between Dune and The Green Knight because it was oh. just well, so good. We can talk gritty. about this one together because The Green Knight is also <laughs> in my list. top five. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, we have a lot of similar tastes, but I think we, we diverge where it's important. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have two out of five. I think that's a good number because yeah. I know you won't have my other one on your list 100 so no, i know we no, are i know you don't have my other one on your list either yes. because we just talked about it yeah so so, so why did you, why is green knight on your list oh i'm a nerd and i just <laughs> enjoyed watching a movie poem <laughs> yeah. like I, it was a mo- yeah it was movie poetry it was just gorgeous cinematography i really enjoy all of the the nerdy like uh, literary references and just like visually it was just gorgeous it was just such a fun movie yeah. to watch even if it was kind of confusing or strange at points the yeah. that level of it didn't bother me because I was just so engrossed with yeah. the gorgeous colors and the gorgeous yeah. sweeping locations and just every step of the way I was there for it. Yeah. Again, I mean, much like Dune, it is just a technical perfect film. Yeah. Like everything on technical filmmaking land, like landscape yeah. is perfect. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. If it misses the cinematography nomination, I rage come Oscar nominee day. Um, but in, in the script, I know people have been confused and maybe that's where a disconnect comes. I just don't feel, cause so often with movies like this, when we get a24 or one of these smaller studios who specializes in kind of weird indies they'll just throw weird shit in to throw it in and Mm -hmm. as you watch the green knight i really didn't feel anything detracted me like even though it maybe it didn't come back around like the giants or something like it wasn't necessarily a key plot point Mm -hmm. it it wasn't jarring like it all felt part of this cohesive world you got it you understood obviously we're doing a king arthur story so it's all you know fables and def patel has never looked better and i don't know this is one of Ah. his best performances i thought he was great and a really captivating lead performance and also one of the first and best instances i've seen of just full colorblind casting which i think was something that you said larry when we came out that like it just it it was irrelevant throughout the film the and and especially in that film right like there's certainly a nerdy i'm gonna use the term neck beard nerd sort of thing to be like well this anglo-saxon so they would need to be like it's mythology (laughs) so calm down as soon as you move into a fantasy world i stop giving a shit about like whether or not their skin tones are appropriate for the time it's a 
it's yeah. a fantasy world and so it's it one yeah it needs to be in that colorblind casting is like you see why he was cast you know like it's i feel like that's where you can kind of get into the moments of like oh they're a terror they're not good like they're not good in this role no mm-hmm. he was amazing it was great i loved it and that last probably one of my favorite endings of film in 2021 was the green knight like that that once he arrives at the green knight at the end huh? all the way through to the end was just amazing <laughs> and i loved it so yeah all right. Um, so I guess I have one left and you have one left. Yeah. Have so two what's left. your final one? No, I just have the one. Great. Okay. So my uh, one that I have left is uh, streaming on Amazon. It's The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, oh. um, which stars Benedict Cumberbatch as this real life person, this Louis Wayne, who is, was a Victorian eccentric uh, that basically made cats the loved household pets that they are today they were it was weird apparent i didn't know this it's that which is part of why i really loved the movie is it like i had no idea but basically before this man cats were like you know they ran they were mostly feral they ran around the streets you would keep one around to kill the rats or the mouses and like keeping a cat in the house as a pet was weird that was a strange thing it's like people now keeping pigs in the house as pets all right like it's not crazy but it's pretty crazy um and i am a person who's had lots of weird pets (laughs) i'm pro (laughs) um but basically he then like took cats and he started developing these paintings that were that were basically cats in ridiculous situations um there's like illustrations of of cats in cute little outfits i think one of the, the quotes from the movie is that you've shown cats how they really are they're they're loyal and they are brave and ultimately ridiculous and i i think uh i think as anybody who loves cats i think you can get a lot out of this movie also benedict cumberbatch is just fantastic in it he's definitely got that you know, I tend to dislike the method acting as a concept, but whatever he's doing is working for him. And, you know, it's just, it's a biopic. I do enjoy a good, like, historical biopic generally, but this was just fun and engaging. I really liked the character. He, you know, the, the family itself deals with a, a lot of, like, mental health issues. Um, and so that actually kind of lends itself to some really interesting sequences where you go into their their brains and you kind of see the the panics and, and everything that's happening. He's also, like, an artist. Again, that's another like I'm a sucker for a movie about artists and it you know it's kind of like how this man changed the world and how by the end of his life people like said that he changed the world I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it yet it is on Amazon so I know a lot of you have uh streaming for that the electrical life of Louis Wayne perfect all right well time for me to bring out the hot take on my last one the other four are not that hot of takes i don't think we agreed on two of the four so you know my last one to mention is my top five is eternals wow uh, is the lowest rated mcu film ever on rotten tomatoes um And it's quite divided. I will say I've watched YouTube, like people do reactions and they've all been positive, which I was scared of. I was like, oh my God. And I think people have been mostly positive recently, but whew, um, it definitely got a mixed response. And I, I can understand some, some 
of the criticisms. Others of you, well, none of us agree with you, you racist homophobes, okay? Um, <laughs> but we just need to can, clarify, yeah. no one agrees no, with no you. No one agrees with you. Because that but, is why they say that stupid shit. Yeah, but like even your comment earlier, I, I understand people saying, and they're the format and all of this being in one single film. I, 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 I think it's understand. a pretty nice criticism that I'm like, I wish it was longer. Yeah. <laughs> I wish like it was longer and broken up into these like segments, yeah. right? You asked me about my like Marvel uh, ranking yes. and noticed that a lot of my favorites <laughs> were the, the TV shows of the movies, because I would much rather have long form broken up into shorter segments mm. than have one way too long movie that yeah, has yeah. everything jammed into it. So I, I've gone back and forth because I don't know. I was trying to obviously I did fight the pressure because here we are. But <laughs> you know, the the everybody just I made me Larry. You feel kind of weird being like the only one who loves it like this while everybody else is like eh, whatever. Uh so I always was like, should I should I really put it this high? And I mean I saw it five times in the movie theater at, at the end of the day. So I how can I say- justify I also like, okay, I, I feel like this kind of correlates with like Shang-Chi. I did not put it on my like worst movies because there are way worse movies than Shang-Chi, but yeah. it's kind of similar where like, so I was the only person who didn't like Shang-Chi and that <laughs> had a lot to do with the fact that I'm like over the superhero yeah. format mm-hmm. and I liked Eternals a lot more. And I think that's why a lot of people didn't like it yeah. is that it is not the superhero former yeah. really at all it, it's strayed so far it felt fresh were like i don't think it yeah. one for me <laughs> it is hands down cinematography wise the most beautiful marvel film to date like mm-hmm. they shot on real locations mm-hmm. we have actual sets and places it's mm-hmm. not all just green screen everything mm-hmm. and you know it's fine for what it is in most marvel movies for me i'm not a marvel hater by any means so trust me um but it was just refreshing to get natural lighting. And, you know, that is Chloe Joe, And to see that she was able to at least inject that part of her directing into it. And the, I thought the direction was also beautiful. The CGI, if, oh God, I was annoyed because the CGI of that last little freaking man, the little pip or whatever in the post credit ruins how good the CGI of the film itself is. Right. But all of the like celestials and everything. But it's also like it's still good in the movie. That's also I doubt I doubt that that was Chloe Zhao's yeah. uh, <laughs> like prerogative. I don't think that vine was part of. They her, were pretty like, much like kernels. this character is going to be coming up, so we need you to put him in here. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, You're going to need to film this cutscene. But yeah, I just loved anything one that is like don't blindly follow gods. I'm automatically puts me in a good space and that's what this film is at a basic level is question gods don't follow them authority period yeah uh, authority and getting this beautiful cast together i once again it wasn't really it wasn't brought up they just were who they were which i know some people again have their problems here or there or whatever but i don't think there's a problem with one of them being death because once again it was god creatures just creating these things who we are shown are fallible God creatures. They make mistakes. Uh, guess what? If you believe in God, God made deaf people. Correct. So I don't know what the problem is. That's just me. What um, a weird criticism. I didn't hear that one. Oh, that's so weird. I mean, it's, it's like, all weird. 
I mean, you could easily be like, okay, spoiler alert, they're robots, right? But like you make machines that are specialized to do specific Specific things. things. And her being deaf in no way limited her among those people that she was with or just generally. So why wouldn't she be deaf? There's yeah, there's no reason for that criticism. And I think maybe that's why I ended up gaining such a love for it is I was in the Twitter battlegrounds getting criticisms like this, where it was I was just like, why are you you criticizing it? I don't understand that critique at all. Like you have the opposite of my La La Land effect, where I was like, La La Land is like, okay. And then everybody in the world being like, this movie's incredible made me hate it more and more, basically having to argue about like everything that was wrong with that. Yeah, when you're in the trenches, it pretty much just (laughs) solidifies you to whichever stance you're on like if even if you're okay or fine um but i just connected to the characters like a lot of uh, and that's it if you make me feel and you get me on board with what is like happening that's it and like i said before if a beautiful film automatically puts me on like a positive step in the right direction so i loved eternals and uh, i'm at that point where i just i just love it and i stand to my love for it and it's my top five yeah so i may have more television shows than larry does (laughs) because i watch more television shows than he does i'm that's again uh streaming i'm I'm a snob i'm sorry number one i'm pretty sure is also going to be similar for larry wheel of time just i would love to just do a whole episode about wheel of time uh similar to dune and the green knight the production design is fantastic i read the books and so i have like my own little like ideas about what i wanted it to be there's certain things that i'm like "Eh," and didn't like about it i think some of the stuff with like the season finale i was like not like i get why people were upset about certain aspects of it i think my biggest issue is that like i just i I want some of the women to be a little bit more i want Egwene specifically to be more independent like she is in the books. Um, but just anything that I disliked about the like way the books were put together, I think relatively it does a really good job with the books. I mean, they're big, they're long, they're expansive. So thus far, I think they've done a good job. Um, and just like it's it is way better production design than Game of Thrones. Like the thing with Game of Thrones is that everything is just medieval like mm-hmm. fantasy it's that generic medieval mm-hmm. fantasy whereas wheel of time does an incredible job of creating a new world it sits yeah. in our world kind of but not right it yeah. distinctly feels different the architecture feels different the colors the fashions everything feels like a different world um and i really appreciate the way that they have taken these different peoples that live in like you know, completely different continents, theoretically, um, and created these very unique, very distinct looks, like down to the very last scene of the season finale when there's this this, um, group of people called the Shan-Chan, which you don't know they're called the Shan-Chan yet. All you know is they're these scary-ass people on boats. (laughs) Um, But they look terrifying. I I think I said to to Patrick after I'd have, those are scarier than I imagined them in my brain. (laughs) Those are incredible. Wheel of Time, number one show for me in 2021. 
Easy. I mean, yeah, we'll just keep going like we did in films because that is definitely in my top five as well. I loved Wheel of Time. I, If you know me, if you watch my channel enough, you know that I'm just kind of a sucker for most fantasy. Like even the bad fantasy, I'm a little bit nicer to than everybody else. I just, <laughs> I like being sucked into these weird, cool, different worlds. I love world building. And mm-hmm. so that's Wheel of Time is a lot of world building, a lot of characters. And I thought they did a good job with most of the characters. And my girl, Rosamund Pike, just slaying the game is my reign. <laughs> right. And Moraine's like a, you know, she's a, she's a big character in the book. She's, you know, that's one of those, but I think yeah. as, as soon as I saw she was cast, I started to have like confidence in the, the mood. The, I, when I saw the rest of the cast, I had no, I didn't have any reason to have, because all of them are brand new people. Oh, but, yeah. um, Again, this is another one, same with the Green Knight, that I think they've done an incredible job with the colorblind casting as yeah. well. Um, down to the extras. I think that yeah. is incredible. Like you just, there's yes. no, it doesn't feel like this is a, a racially divided world whatsoever. It is a very gender divided world. Um, but and it they is- do a good job. I remember seeing like Egwene back when she was getting that like river treatment um, <laughs> in the very first episode. And they're just showing the women there as part of the camera. And they're just, just, a, a community full of yeah. varied people and there's and that's just it is it, what it is it feels like an accurate makeup of like we're honestly like the united states um, i don't know how i feel about them having been aged up and they always do that in- i mean i knew they had to make it sexy uh, and that's what they do they're like <laughs> oh you're supposed to be a 10 year old girl how about 20 instead yeah okay yeah <laughs> i have some thoughts i did i did feel like the season finale was a little bit anticlimactic um but uh, I, I just enjoyed the world so much mm-hmm. that i'm very open to yeah. where it's gonna go it has me um, ready for season two so yes so that was our our mutual number one television show yes. um, and i would yeah. like to point out i definitely was like larry you should watch the show it's gonna be <laughs> it's very bad even when his heart was still broken from Game of Thrones. I was like, you should really well, watch especially this. Especially because I was like, you really want yeah. me to get into another book fantasy? But at least these books are done. So yes, exactly. <laughs> that was one of my points was these We're books okay. are done. This series is complete. So we know the showrunners are not going to go rogue. Yeah. And the other thing is, even when I was reading the books, I had already read Game of Thrones, started mm-hmm. watching the show. I started reading the Wheel of Time books and I was like, this is way better than Game of Thrones. It's just, Badass there's a lot galore. more action, which is actually one of the things. So I read a lot of fantasy books. Um, but I, I tend to fall asleep at the ones that are a lot of like travel where they just like spend mm. a lot of time on descriptions or like history or what have you. Lots of fantasy nerds love that. <laughs> yes. But Wheel of Time is like, they have a lot of that stuff, but he cuts every, it's like every mm. second there's some action scene happening. And so that's a thing that they didn't actually have to add for, I, I actually think they, mm didn't spend enough time on the action. I think their pacing was a little bit off. Like there was that weird episode about the guy who- um, Which I loved. <laughs> I know. And I was like, this is weird and slow was, and boring. I was <laughs> on board with that episode about the border. And I was I'm like, glad. give it to me. I like but it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, but anyways, yes. sorry. Wheel of time all the way around. Woo! I made Larry watch it and he loves it. <laughs> What's okay. next, Ren? Next for me, um, right up at the top, WandaVision. Uh, hey, we're two yeah. for two. Excellent. WandaVision, uh, as a television nerd, was just incredible. I <laughs> loved the format. It was so cool. And that's all there really is to it. I, I, I <laughs> The rest of the, mo- the, the show, which was still good, could have been absolute garbage and I would not have Red. cared because I loved 
just the concept of like every episode we're going to do an homage to this yeah. era of television. So that's it. That's all there is to want. It was just it, once again. So I tweeted this recently. 2021 really showed me like the basic Marvel stuff. I'm going to need to find a way to step up. Like it has to be great because yeah. Black Widow highly underwhelmed me. Yeah. We'll talk about the two Marvel shows that I thought were basic soon, mm-hmm. but the the Marvel shows that stepped out and did at least a something thing. different, I loved. Yeah. And yeah. WandaVision kicked us off because it was the first show of the year, the first Marvel anything of the year. Yeah. And it was just so refreshing to get yeah. something new and different in Marvel. And, and I was so not prepared for it yeah. either. I think it, it seemed really weird. Mm-hmm. But then when as soon as like, <laughs> by that second episode, when I understood what they were doing, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like Elizabeth Olsen blundered. killed yes. it. Like every yeah, single decade, great. Paul Bettany killed yeah. it. Like those two together... They made Which you was care so more weird, about them. right? Because Paul Bettany looks like Vision and he's playing this Dick Van Dyke character and it doesn't seem like it's going to work, but it totally does. Catherine Hahn, amazing, as yeah. she always is. Um, she's, she's my MVP of like my last like five years of media. Like give me yeah. anything with her in it. And I- It gave us Agatha all along, which oh. was- just a cultural reset my, moment. That was my Halloween <laughs> costume was I went as Agatha. Yes, Agatha. <laughs> and then even once we went to more, because, you know, by the end of the series, it goes into more of a traditional Marvel. Like it starts weird and then it's kind of ends in more traditional Marvel setting. But they did such a good job with character work mm-hmm. that as like that final, the next to final episode where we just go through Wanda's past where Agatha's like showing her, mm-hmm. it's just so emotionally charged and you're so invested in her. And then that final episode, obviously when she has to say goodbye to her family, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're invested by yeah. then and it hits hard. And yeah, yeah I thought I thought yeah. WandaVision was great. I loved yep. it. <laughs> loved it. And it, uh, it was probably that and maybe mayor of east town which i didn't watch so i wasn't involved with that uh were like the cultural shows of the year like every week people were like all week long talking about wandavision like couldn't wait to get back to the next episode so it was fun to watch too all right well that's two for two um i i'm i'm thinking that the next few of them you probably haven't seen although i did recommend one of these to you um (laughs) hacks i really really enjoyed hacks um i don't and i actually when i was kind of looking it up online it's apparently i'm kind of in the minority that enjoyed it that much but it was one of the first shows that i watched this year and was like this is incredible and like wanted to watch every single episode so um the plot line is that there is a 20 something comedian who gets canceled because of a tweet um, that they think went too far. And so she's having really hard time finding work and ends up being hired by this sort of Joan Rivers style comedian, sort of this like older woman shock jock sort of um type played by the incomparable gene smart yeah part of why i told larry he should watch it because i think did really she's just incredible in it yeah um but she eventually gets hired as like a, a co um like a writer um with this gene smart character and the show is just it's 
funny. It's really funny. I really enjoyed watching it. I have also had the absolutely psychotic um, boss before. So I kind of related to that love that Devil Wears Prada kind of level of like, wow. But like with Jean Smart, you have to like her a little bit more because she's just like, she's just funny. She's really funny. And she, you kind of, you, you know, you learn a lot about her to really get in the back. So yeah, I, I really liked hacks. Some people really, really liked it. Um, it's on some lists, but it's kind of low down. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of a controversial take, but uh, Larry, I really think you should watch it. Cause I think you would enjoy it a lot. Ooh. All right. Well, my third pick, I'm going to go ahead and go with my trashy teen comedy drama show and give love victor season two which i loved uh (laughs) i loved love victor season one as well but i really loved this i mean this season went trashier like season one i thought was a little bit more nuanced uh this season i mean we ended we went into full like ridiculous drama at points but uh they did a better job of setting up that conclusion on this season they didn't leave us on like him coming out to his parents and cut to black like they did on the finale of season one and i was like what the hell like no 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 no. we need to see that exact scene right now like (laughs) that's what we've been building to this entire season i think michael simonio is really great as victor the cast is all really good actually and the music this is like a bop for a soundtrack. Every single episode, they have like these weird covers or like these weird little songs. Oh, it's so good. I like run to look up the music after the episodes. Uh, I just love Love, Victor. What can I say? It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> is it great though? Or is it yes. just that you love it? <laughs> Everybody it. who watches it loves it, Ren. Great. That makes sense. Cause typically people who don't love it would stop watching it. <laughs> and I am ready for season three. Again, they left us on a cliffhanger. So if it didn't get renewed for season three, I'd be pissed, but yes. Cool. Good. I'm always happy for people yeah. to find any sort of media they really enjoy, unless they're trying to tell me garbage is not garbage. Well. So next on my list, um, this is actually pretty, it's not didn't come out in 2021, uh, but I discovered it in 2021. Okay. And uh, it is very well beloved by lots and lots of people. Ted Lasso. Um, yes. I'm sure you've heard of it. There was a season that came out this year, though, right? Yeah, there was a season okay. that came out this year. Um, that was. Uh, but Ren just said the whole thing. I, I'm lumping all of the seasons in. Yeah, all the seasons together. Well, because I discovered it in 2021. A new season came out in 2021. You know, Apple TV is not like. It's coming along. No one has Apple TV. Like Ted Lasso is your reason to get Apple TV. And I really, I really, it's just so, so the thing about Ted Lasso is that like, you know, going back and having watched things like Friends all over again, because I'm home all the time and, you know, you can just like play this stuff in the background. You have to pay attention to it. You can do other things. You know, there's so many things that, so many conflicts, so many like sitcom type uh, situations, you know, in every show yeah. that is all about miscommunication, toxic masculinity, and um, just like very dysfunctional relationships, right? Like Ross and Rachel is a super dysfunctional relationship and those people probably shouldn't be together. Um, but what Ted Lasso does is it shows you healthy people and conflicts that are not generated by people being assholes. Um, like... <laughs> It is conflict generated from the outside and how healthy, non-toxic people would deal with it. And it sounds like it would be boring, right? Because as far as we know, everything in sitcoms up till now is like dependent on 
miscommunication and conflict coming from a love triangle and not telling the truth. And this show just does an incredible job of like, you can be a healthy person and you're still going to have shit happen in your life. Um, you're, and you can deal with it in healthy ways. Uh, you don't have to be a toxic human being. So Ted Lasso is the, the jolt, jolt of positivity that we need here in the 2020s. Yeah, um, that's pretty much why I have not watched it. Right <laughs> I, I think it the words the words thrown crazy. around all the time are positivity, wholesome, blah blah blah, and I'm like, oh no, I'm good. I don't need it. I'm Larry, sorry. It's also funny. You might give it a shot. It's yeah. just so popular. I know it's too popular, and that yeah. also makes me rebel against it. Like a positive, popular, <laughs> wholesome show. No, no, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> all right what else you got larry so next up i have loki so this was my other like this and wandavision are like it for me on the marvel scale i wasn't really excited for loki i was ready to move on to a new chapter of marvel and i thought loki had his time had his due but i loved the show itself i thought it was really well done from the first episode to the last it gave it in comparison to a lot of the other Marvel shows really actually had like a character purpose for Loki. He went on a full transformation and we could see like him as a person growing next to someone like Sophie, uh, his alter, uh, who wasn't really like, she was kind of growing, but wasn't able to let go. Um, that final episode was amazing. And I'm so hyped for Jonathan Majors to come in as Kang. Oh, he was so good. And that's why I tell people any episode that can literally just be pretty much one, uh, like three characters sitting in a room like that for a full hour and be that entertaining and just like engrossing. I was on board with their conversation. I loved that episode with all of the alternate Lokis with Richard E. Grant getting yes. to just live his best life as Loki. <laughs> Don't we all love Alligator Loki? And Alligator Loki, a true icon, really. I mean, a true icon. <laughs> that was actually uh, Patrick's uh, ornament this year yeah. was I, I made him an Alligator Loki ornament. <laughs> we live for Alligator Loki. I also loved like our side players, uh, Owen Wilson was yeah. fun and delightful as he always is but once again he made you care about him as like this little guy uh talk about an icon Ms. Minutes is an icon and um yeah it, it's the one that I'm like okay I'm glad we're getting a season two it left us and on a good note and I love it. Ra? Is and, that yes Google Ra is I anytime I get to see her I'm excited so mm-hmm. yes Loki I love you. And then the last one I have on my list, most people have not heard of. Um, so that's Uh-oh. why I'm going to throw it out there. It's called Ghosts. It's on HBO Max. It's from the BBC. Um, more people have probably heard of Horrible Histories. It's a similar, uh, I believe it's the same sort of cast and everything. Um, but basically the plot line is that uh, this woman and her fiance inherit an, an inherit a estate in England. And she very first day falls off a ladder, hits her head, and all of a sudden she can see all of the ghosts that live in the house um and so it's an ensemble comedy and it's incredible uh it's really funny i really enjoyed every minute that i was watching it it's bbc so every series is a limited number of episodes so you're not just sitting there for days and days on end watching it um i uh started watching it 
I can't remember. I might have started watching it around Halloween. I like to try and like keep my things in theme when I'm just like in October. Um, I also watched What We Do in Shadows and it's on a lot, a lot of lists. I did not watch season three because I was waiting for the whole thing to come out before I like downloaded it. Um, but I liked Ghosts a little bit better than What We Do in Shadows compared to the first two seasons of What We Do in, Sh- of what we do in Shadows. Um, I-, I think it's just a little bit lighter and sweeter. And I'm just more... I don't know, actually, now that I'm answering this question, I'm like, no, I'm not more of a ghost person. I really like vampires. I think vampire is incredible. I'm a big vampire person writing a book with a vampire in it right now. It gave me a lot of what I needed in terms of, um, I think uh, there's always going to be a place for like horror that like scares the crap out of you. But as a person who does create Halloween themed entertainment, it does feel like there's a little bit of a shift where people are really a lot more interested in like, spooky themed things and spooky season generally as opposed to scare the literal crap out of me experiences um and so i think that's what ghosts delivers is it's not a horror movie but it does give you lots of that spooky with the ghosts and things and i think that thing i've always really liked about ghosts just as like a as a as as a storytelling device is you get a lot of history, right? So every ghost is from a yeah. different time period. And then you get a little side story that's just about them and who, how their life happened and how they died. Um, and I always enjoy the discovery of that. It's a little bit of like, it's a little bit of mystery. And it's also, um, you know, in this case, the characters are all very like sweet and charming. Um, not like overly sweet. Some of them are assholes and it's great. It works really, really well. Um, so anyways, Ghosts, uh, there apparently is a US version, which I haven't seen. Uh, I cannot recommend it because I've not seen it. So go for the, um, the the BBC version, the UK version of Ghosts on HBO Max. Wow. All right. Well, my final TV show uh, just solidifies me. I'm just a nerd, y'all. Like I said, I love fantasy. All of my, all of them except Love Victor are like fantastical nerds. It's The Witcher season two. I just really the Witcher. I love The Witcher season one. I think The Witcher season two is just as good. I don't know, maybe arguably better, but it's a little bit slower. I will say, I will say definitely that. slower. I, it's also uh, way more easy to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we. It's on one timeline now, so yeah. we don't have all that. But I think Henry Cavill is a lot of fun as yeah. Geralt and Yennefer. So I think one of my only reasons why I'm not more excited about Witcher is I think last season they did a lot better job of being like, look at how hot this so, man is. Listen, and I, okay, here's what I'm getting <laughs> mad about. is because even game players and everything are like, no, Geralt needs to be naked more. Like, what's going on? Absolutely. And season one... There was a couple moments where I'm like, we couldn't get a booty shot there. Okay. <laughs> like as he gets out of the bathtub or whatever. This season, I don't, he didn't even take off his damn shirt. <laughs> I know. I mean, so yes, that is a complaint <laughs> that is submitted immediately to the complaint department. Henry Cavill, <laughs> you are not above taking the shirt. <laughs> I understand you're a little uncomfortable with being objectified, but. We pay you big dollars for this, I mean, sir. I guess in turn, Yennefer also kept her clothes on more this season than season I, one. As I have said on many an occasion, I am for equal objectification yeah. of the sexes, especially when like, I mean, I, I understand why you might do a, a lot more in the first season to hook people, but then it feels but like- But then you've got to deliver again. You witcher. <laughs> you tease us and then you don't deliver. Uh, <laughs> 
but yes so i just i like the the world they've built here yeah. and I, I like the darker gritty tone of the witcher but also it's, it has a lot of the light moments also series badass Siri. yeah i was just saying Siri this season Siri is aria got <laughs> Siri got a lot of development this season and i've really enjoyed her specifically in season two yennefer still is messy as hell um but that's <laughs> why we love her for it for being that effing messy all the goddamn time and yes the only thing we want is more sexy if this yes. maybe you know what netflix doesn't push the the line maybe as far as we'd like maybe hbo does need to pick it up for season three <laughs> maybe it needs to move to hbo because i know they'll deliver what I'm i need it. As Larry, like in the games, I have slept with both Tris and yeah, Jennifer. See, that's and what I'm talking about. Hold on, y'all. Like, everyone's like, there's sex there's all sex up and through the there. That's why it, the game is fun because you can like choose to have sex with people in this game. It's incredible. And, <laughs> like, the show is and that's the focus of it, right? There's video games where that's all you do, and that's kind of yeah, weird no. and creepy, but like, no. Game, we like sexy fantasy. Give it to us. Yes. I mean, again, you know, Game of Thrones had a lot going on, but a big reason that they hooked people in early. H yes. HBO knows nice. how to do it. HBO and knows. It absolutely dropped off towards the end, yes. but I think season two is not the season for it to drop off, y'all. No, it took to like season six or seven of Why? Game of Thrones to drop off. Daryl absolutely should have slept with Triss. <laughs> she straight up was like, come let's do it and he's like no and i'm like this was a game jennifer to be fair you could choose in the game not to have sex with tris but i challenge anyone friend said i did not make that choice <laughs> i challenge anyone who played the game to tell me they did not choose the option where they could sleep with tris <laughs> yeah no uh that's the main drawback but i had fun i'm glad it's at least as good as the first season um just we want we want more sex but give us more season give three more okay <laughs> that's what you can improve on for the third season thank you all right ren what are the superlatives you have for the year superlatives okay Woo! so i said the most underrated movie was the eyes of tammy Faye. yeah um i i heard some of the complaints about it um but at the end of the day i i didn't know very much about Tammy Faye going in maybe. And so I was easily swayed by the storyline of the biopic, but I thought it was an, I like biopics generally. I thought Jessica Chastain was really cool and good yeah. in it. I thought I was really interested to learn about Tammy Faye. Andrew I think Garfield was great in that. Andrew too. Garfield was great in it. Um, I also just like, I, I I understand some of the complaints were about the tone. I liked that weird tone. I, I really enjoyed that it was like kind of goofy. It felt appropriate because Tammy Faye is basically a clown human. She's a Jesus clown human and and she's selling it. Like that's their whole thing is they are they were ridiculous Jesus television Honestly, that's we talked about it after we left the theater because we didn't get a chance to do our review because we saw tammy faye together but this and then malignant the horror film mm -hmm. they were two examples to me of how you skirt that line and know the tone you're going for and actually hit it bullseye like i think malignant did it really well it was a very specific tone james Wan was and he killed it and this film knew exactly yeah. 
the tone it wanted to deliver for Tammy Faye. Yeah. And it did it. It delivered just that tone. Yeah. Since it was the year of the musical, obviously you don't agree because Tick, Tick, Boom was in your top five. Uh, my favorite musical of the year was In the Heights. I think it had some of the catchiest music. More than Encanto. Just barely, Ren. You didn't like Encanto. I love Encanto. Uh, it's not my favorite animated. Obviously, oh, yeah, Mitchell's okay. vs. the Machines was my favorite animated film of the year. But, you know, it was the, also the year of Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I guess In the Heights was also my favorite Lin-Manuel project over Encanto, Vivo, and Tick, Tick, Boom. First of all, before I get a bunch of hate, I did not dislike Encanto. I just didn't <laughs> think it was like incredible the way a lot of people did. I also think when you have a bar like Pixar sets on things, we talked about this in our Pixar episode, inevitably some things are going to fall below that bar. So, Ren, I, I do, I would say to watch it a second time, because coming out of Encanto the first time I saw it, I thought it was good, but I also was a little bit underwhelmed. The second time I watched it, I most of my criticisms kind of melted away or I didn't think that they were like they deserved the criticism I gave it at first. I also think it's a deeper movie than initial look like the family trauma stuff, I think, is handled really well. But that's just this is my opinion on you there. In the Heights, I just think blended everything the best like it had the big beautiful set pieces it had the amazing choreography and dancing the singing was fantastic it was shot in a really beautiful how well handled way like those reflection shots that they chose to do in the film i were just like oh well yeah. uh, it was technical magic exactly. so i just story I, I get it it's not the the best handled story maybe but for a musical, like if I were to choose between this and then West Side Story, which is probably the other most beautiful, big musical, I'll take this each and every day of the week over. And everybody loves West Side Story. If you watch my channel, you know I did not love it. Yeah, uh, who doesn't um, like West Side Story? Musical theater nerds were not impressed with West Side Story. Just so, uh, <laughs> I didn't see it. I just know a lot of musical theater nerds who were like, "This nobody asked for this." Yeah, nobody cares. Uh, we're can we stop telling Romeo and Juliet? We know it's Romeo and Juliet. People try to like dunk on me about that too, and I'm like, I know it's Romeo and Juliet. I'm tired. I don't. Need Everybody's over it. It's yeah, stupid. we're tired of it, and it looks dumb in today's setting to have a girl fall in love with a man in a day that just murdered her freaking brother. That just looks stupid like you look like an idiot <laughs> i'm sorry it makes maria look horrible and it makes her a horrible character <laughs> she's like done um well i have uh the best uh new halloween movie of 2021 okay. i have a couple like you know holiday themed things okay. um but my best new halloween movie i for three of them, the Fear Street trilogy, which I mentioned to you um, by a text. See, uh, something I know I would like, but since it was yes. on streaming, apparently I just paid it just and kept it moving. Yeah. Uh, the movies individually are great. The third one is the best. And it's really for me the way it kind of ties everything all in together. Um, but it is absolutely a Larry movie. It's slashery it goodness. It's just the right touch of cheesy. It's got a lot of those classic tropes, but it kind of refreshes all of them. You have lots of people of color. You have lots of LGBTQ things happening. It talks about class and 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 income inequality in these you know, ways. Like it hits all of the points for um, for a good 
like slasher Halloween film um, without it just being about the gore, right? Like a lot of stuff as time has gone on from the Friday the 13th films has leaned hard into gore, yeah. gore, 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 and how many women can we kill? This really moves into, um, you know, and also just like it's really fun because it, it each so each of the movies takes place in a different time. Yeah. So uh, the the original one starts in the 90, 1990s, and I'm a millennial and very excited about the fact that now that I'm in my 30s, they make media for me. They make media to like poke at my little nostalgia buttons. Yes. So the first movie takes place in the 90s, um, and then the second movie goes back in time to like address this curse that's supposed to be on the whole town that kind of caused the first one to happen. Um, goes back in time uh, to the 19, uh, 1980s, oh. 1980s, um, 1985, I believe. It's like 1995, 1985, and then they go all the way back to 1666 um, oh. for the third movie. Yeah, so it covers all of these. And then the third one does a cool job of taking characters that you got to know and liked in the first two movies and putting them into the actors into these other roles in the 1666 um it, it's just really it's a great little trilogy they all came out at the same time so you're supposed to kind of watch them all so it's somewhere between like a movie and a and a series but there there's three movies um and yeah and it's based on the fear street uh rl stein so again like poke at my little nostalgia buttons i'll take it netflix you know what's up i mean it's essentially what happens when like my generation has now worked and puttered away long enough in the movie industry and film industry that now they get to make the things and they're like we're gonna do a thing that we're just excited about <laughs> and we're gonna write a script about a thing that's just all about what, things that we like <laughs> i'm here for it i'm excited for it <laughs> well i'll piggyback off of that and i'll just do uh, my favorite horror genre film of the year we talked a little bit about this so it's gonna be weird because i told you it's not scary but uh my favorite horror film is the last night or last night in soho from edgar wright it got a bit of a mixed reaction. The third act is where it gets real divisive, but it's just Edgar Wright. He knows how to do it. I don't know. It's just something about how he makes films that I love. I love his style and the soundtrack was fire. The performances were great. The concept was really cool and I dug it. I had a great time watching it in the theater and yeah, even that third act, it gets a little buck wild in the third act, but I'm down for some, some over the top shenanigans. So yeah. <laughs> Nice. What's your next one? Uh, well, let's kind of sticking with the same sort of uh, theminess, I guess. Um, best new Christmas movie, um, okay. especially because I know that Larry like just doesn't watch Christmas movies. <laughs> pull out straight up does like no. Um, Eight bit Christmas again, a sucker for things that are just like catered to my generation okay um but it's basically like uh I, I would i would describe it as a christmas story right where he wants a red rider bb gun except instead of it taking place in the 40s it takes place in the 80s and instead of it being a bb gun it's a nintendo um and so it's just a nice fun charming film um neil patrick harris plays the like 
dad telling about his past. Suzanne is in it and he's incredible as the dad. The whole family is just, it's funny. There's some good, I, I also like it sits in this nice place between um, uh, fantasy and reality, right? Because it's this kid remembering things. And so there's okay. these like epic things that happen where his dad's chasing him through a mall. And you know, he's not actually right. It's just his memory of it. His dad is throwing people off of the escalator. But in reality, he's not actually doing it. But it has this fun kind of magic aspect to it because of the, the fantasy of his memory. I really liked it. I thought it was a good Christmas movie and you should add it to your, uh, your rotations. Well, then I'm going to do my biggest surprise of the year film. I went in not expecting to know anything about. Well, my real biggest surprise is actually Mitchell's First of Machines. Uh, but since we already talked about that, because I, I was just shook that it was as good as it was. Uh, I'm going to go with another little animated film that I didn't think would be that good. And I ended up thinking it was quite cute and uh, nobody's talking about it. And that's Ron's Gone Wrong. I thought it was an adorable, really, really cute little film. <laughs> That little robot is adorable and it has a lot of heart. And that, that usually wins me over. Like not all of the comedy lands, not everything works perfectly. That's why it doesn't move up like on the best of or anything, but it's really cute for what it's trying to do. And Disney literally dumped it. They like dumped it into theaters and pretend it didn't exist because it's from Fox animation. <laughs> um, so they treated it like the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was definitely a big surprise because I thought it looked not great from those trailers. Thing two is another one that was better than I expected just because the first thing is okay, but I don't love it. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was a little bit better than expected. So, yeah. On the opposite end, most disappointing film for me of the year, uh, Red Notice oh. was so disappointing. I really like the rock i really like ryan reynolds and i really enjoy a heist film a good swisheroo film and this was just absolute trash it was so poorly done it was like not that funny for two actors that genuinely make me laugh usually and have such good comedic timing normally it was just not good at any point and I I don't think Gal Gadot is a very good actress. I don't know if it was just this script or what the deal was, but she's like, it's like a, a person who is reading lines, not like acting. And I just didn't. I also, I think she's supposed to be like a femme fatale. She's mm -hmm. too nice. I don't think I could buy it. Red Notice I thought would be fun at the very least, right? I wasn't expecting a great film, but it was bad. It was just bad. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Well, my biggest disappointment of the year has to go to House of Gucci. I was really excited for House of Gucci. Uh, those trailers looked ridiculous in all of the best possible ways that it could be ridiculous. Lady Gaga just getting to eat up this role. And I wish Ridley Scott followed her lead. Instead, like, yeah, she gets to have fun moments. And every time Lady Gaga's on screen, it is fun. But he just made such a bland long slog of a movie like Ridley Scott was not the right director to make this film it needed that energy of camp or ridiculous or it needed to suck all of that out and be like a serious 
retelling of this crime that took place like be a crime movie mm-hmm. and he just kind of tried to do both and it never really worked i really thought i was going to just eat house of gucci up and i left like oof that was not good <laughs> i was highly disappointed with house of gucci and jared leto if you get in for best supporting actor i will be so pissed because that performance was wretched <laughs> I'm so over Jared Leto. I wish he would just disappear and people would stop pretending. I mean, as an Italian American, Ren, you should be offended by the caricature that he put to the screen in that film. It was horrible. I'm going to start ranting about it more and more about how, why aren't we having incredible Italian American actors play these roles? Because um, oh, it's Jared Leto against them instead. Okay, uh, since we're already kind of in the the negatives, I just want to cover the couple like positive superlatives real quick before we move on cool. to best. So, uh, best LGBTQ movie that I saw of the year. There weren't a lot of them that I saw, um, so I just really wanted to like point it out so everybody else should watch it again. It's a Christmas movie, single all the way. It was very cute, and I it was very sweet, and it was you know like it's a cheesy Christmas movie, but it was a good cheesy Christmas movie. I think the biggest thing I like to point out is that it really shows what a treasure trove uh, gay culture is for these movies that are cheesy to add in the appropriate amount of campiness to really make these things fun to watch. It was fun. Um, My pick is Flea. It's a documentary. It's an animated documentary, actually. It's really good. So check out Flea if you're heading into oscar season love it then best movie i discovered in 2021 it did not come out in 2021 as i said i like to keep up on my uh halloween themed movies throughout the season um and i saw crimson peak for the first time this year and it is incredible it is like joined the ranks of my favorite movies ever it is so good on so many different levels. Uh, first of all, I'm a sucker for the fact that it like takes place in Buffalo. I was born in Buffalo. And like, so obviously anything Buffalo related, I'm like, <laughs> the time period makes for an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous fa- film. Is this Guillermo del Toro? It is. It Great. Is I'm so excited. We're going to do a Guillermo del Toro yeah. episode and I can talk about this more. Um, but it is incredible. It is gothic and it is gorgeous and it is Halloween and it is spooky and it is terrifying and it another is instance of jessica chastain understanding the assignment like yes, she was she given the material and she understood what yes. she was asked to listen this film got kind of ragged on when it was released and i was one of those out there swinging Before to defend it because <laughs> i have always loved crimson peak and thought it got such a bad rap yes. for no good reason it so, is yeah. it is a cult classic it is oh, a cult so classic good. Ready to happen. Y'all watch it. It's in good. Yeah. Come back um, for our Guillermo del Toro episode. Yeah. And we will we will cover Crimson Peak in addition to the rest of his. So that is it. Those were our picks for the best films and the best TV shows, as well as some other films we just kind of wanted to highlight from the past year. And don't worry, we'll be back with our next episode being our worst TV shows and films of the year. What you all been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know that y'all will be hyped for that because you tuned into a podcast called Cinema Snarks. So obviously, 
uh, that should be right up your alley. But we want to hear from you. What did you think of the films and shows that we discussed in this episode? Did you love them as much as we did? And more importantly, what are your favorite shows and films from 2021 yeah let us know either in the comment section down below if you are watching the visual version on youtube or you can hit us up over on twitter and instagram at cinema snarks now ren where can they get snarky with you online you can find me on Instagram at RennyPooh13, or you can try and get a hold of me on Twitter at <laughs> RenManly. Perfect. And you can find me on Twitter at ChiliBoyYT, or here on YouTube if you're watching the visual version, or Instagram, both at ChiliBoyProductions. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>